to get into the word of the Lord. Uh, when uh, my wife and I realized that we were not going to be able to make it to Youth Congress, uh, I knew that I wouldn't have service tonight. And so I began to seek God and I began to uh, just ask Him, Hey, God, it's allow me to, to speak something into somebody's life. And so He began dealing with me uh, a week or so ago. And uh, so I, I had been in, in this train of thought, and, and so I came up to the church this, this morning to unlock the building at 8 o'clock, and, uh, and did not leave the church until about 4 o'clock, and uh, was in the office, and my mind was running rampant, and so God began to, to deal with me, and uh, so tonight is a product of what God has laid upon my heart. And uh, I want to speak something into your life tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, of course, it'll be on the screen behind me. Everybody doing okay tonight? Anybody else hot? Really? Wow. I'm burning up. We've we, uh, been battling with the uh, air conditioning up on the platform. And they were here uh, this morning pretty much all day trying to uh, get it fixed, and I don't know whether they did, but the sweat rolling down my face tells me that they may not have. Or if I find out that the thermostat just didn't get turned down, we may be a little upset tonight. No, I'm just kidding, but uh, so hopefully they get that fixed. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I want to read uh, verses 1 through 6. Verse number 1 says, All the commandments which I commanded thee this day shall ye... Observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. Now, you have to, to understand this verse of Scripture um, when he said that the land that I had swore to your fathers, that at the time of the crossing over into the promised land, pretty much... Very few, if any, uh, that, well, I would, yeah, I would say very few, if any, that left Egypt in bondage actually entered into the promised land. So many, if not all, were gone at this point. So he is speaking to their children and their heirs. In num verse number two, the word says, And thou shalt remember all the way which your father, which, which, excuse me, the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. Verse 3, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know where it came from, basically. And he might, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Verse number four, thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
Verse number 6, Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in His ways and to fear Him. Now, as I've already stated, God has dealt with me on this subject, so I want to speak into your hearing for just the next little while on this subject, God's process. God's process. Uh, Being lost is miserable. Being lost on the road is incredibly miserable. But there's few of us in this place that may know, Brother Scott, that being lost in the woods in the middle of the night is really bad. Now, I don't get lost too often. I have a decent sense of direction. And usually if I drive somewhere one time, I can pretty much get back. That's what I like to think. Uh, Now, but when I do get lost, however... I might be 100 miles or so from where I am supposed to be. Now, please allow me to share this story with you. I can't believe I'm admitting this, but about three or four years ago, I was working for pastor, and we were working in the St. Louis area. And now, I have driven that road countless times, going to and from Arkansas. So I know the road very well, and uh, just a straight shot, 70, uh, it will take you there. And so I know I've got it pretty much mapped out. I'm an hour from Indianapolis. I'm an hour from Terre Haute. When I get to Indianapolis, when I get to Terre Haute, I'm an hour from Effingham. And uh, then I'm about two or so hours from St. Louis. And so I kind of got little waypoints marked in my mind. So we were working that uh, week and uh, had Brian Henderson, who used to pastor in windfall with me and so we were coming home after some work and some golf don't tell pastor about that but that's beside the point and so we started on our road home and we were tired we'd worked a long day that day and uh, I was on my phone like I probably shouldn't have been and so I'm trucking along and I'm not paying attention Brian's asleep in the in the passenger seat and I'm just going along brother Jerry and I'm I'm ready to get home to see my family And uh, a little time goes by, and all of a sudden, I look up, and I realize nothing looks familiar. And so I start trying to figure out where I'm at. And if you know that road at all, when you're coming out of St. Louis and and Carlinville, uh, Illinois, you stay in the right lane because 70 is going to go straight on if you're in the right lane. But if you're in the left lane, you're going to take I-57 up towards Chicago, which, you know, would not have been bad had I not gone about 100 miles up towards Chicago. So what would have been a four, four and a half hour trip ended up taking me eight hours and a lot of ridicule from my passenger and from pastor And I believe I even got some ridicule from my wife. But when I get lost, I get lost big time. And so, yeah. So now we use GPS and we make sure that everything is just fine. But there are three things that you should know about those of us who are somewhat directionally challenged. Number one is that you we don't get lost on purpose. Nobody does that. In fact, just the opposite is true. 
since we know we are likely to get lost, we work hard at paying attention and following directions, but we just don't do well in unfamiliar territory. The second thing that I want you to know is that I've learned from getting lost that I usually don't know exactly how it happened. I never know when I've crossed that line between knowing exactly where I am and that I have no idea where I'm at right now. I don't know the precise moment in which I made an incorrect turn or make a wrong or take a wrong route. There is never a moment when a light goes off in my brain and I think, gee, I just got lost. But if I back up 100 feet, then I'll be unlost. It never happens that way for me. Being lost is something that dawns on me, usually after I've been lost for, well, gee, I don't know, about 100 miles. Which I guess is the point that I'm trying to make with this analogy is that I don't know how long I've been lost before I realize that I am lost. And the third thing that I want to point out about those of us that are somewhat directionally challenged is the road that I'm on always determines where I'm going to end up. Pretty insightful. It really doesn't matter where I intended to be, but the path that I take determines my ultimate direction. And that in turn turn, uh, gets me to an ultimate destination, whether right or wrong. Plans, intentions, spousal advice, none of that counts at that moment because I always end up on the road I've chosen that, and it takes me to the place that that road leads. Israel had been delivered from bondage. They had been brought out from the the oppressive hand of the Egyptians in the text that we have read. They had been removed and spared from the idolatry that was in the land of Egypt, and now they are lost, or at least in their minds, they're lost, not knowing where they're headed or how long it's going to take them to get there. They have suffered 40 years of what felt like, I'm sure, abandonment, but Moses comes along and the one who they saw as their knight in shining armor when he led them in a mass out of the land of Egypt is now in their mind. Now you got to think like they're thinking. He's leading them aimlessly in the desert to die. But what they failed to realize was that God was God was... Uh, that while they were in the wilderness, God was doing two things. Number one, He was preparing them to be a great nation. And number two, He was preparing their land by way of their homes, where they were going to live, the walls in the cities that they were going to dwell in. He was preparing their gardens and their livestock. Now what we sometimes fail to see, and I'm going to break this down to us tonight, is what sometimes we fail to see and what we must always trust and remember is this. God always 
has a plan. And he, his plan is always the right plan. And his plan always works. Now, whether we want to choose to admit it or not, if we would just ever completely trust him, if we would just let go and completely take our hands off of our own life and say that I'm going to trust the plan that God has for me, then everything is going to work out in our lives. But the moment that we remove God's hands from our lives and we tell Him that I don't care necessarily what your plan is, but I want to make my own way. At that moment is when our life becomes a complete shamble. And then in time we wake up and we realize and we kind of come out of our days and we start looking around and we start saying, none of this looks familiar. I'm not really sure where I'm at and I'm not really sure where this road is leading to. Anybody ever been there? I'm not really sure where I'm going. I'm, I'm kind of just wandering aimlessly in this desert. I'm just kind of wandering aimlessly in this land with no real direction for my life. The wilderness was God's plan and God's process for the children of Israel. Our problem is that we have, uh, the, the problem that I feel that we have is not with the process itself, but rather I feel that our problem as human beings is with our perception of the process, and that is our real problem. It's not necessarily that we don't trust the process of God, and I don't think that with the children of Israel, I don't think if they think if they realized what God's process really was, if they would just have stopped and listened to their complaining and they would listen to their murmuring and see where they were at, then they would have realized that God had everything under control. But the problem was that they just came out of 400 years of bondage and they ex expected to go straight from bondage to the promise. So the perception of the process or the wilderness that they had to go through was misconstrued. They didn't ever stop to realize or never even stop to consider that God was preparing them in the wilderness before they could ever enter into the promised land. So the so with us, I'm going to break that down to us. So our problem nowadays is not with the process that God has for our lives, but it is with our perception of that process because we don't see the end result. The Bible tells us that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And let me add, His vision is not our vision. It's just like being a child. Sometimes my mom would tell me as a kid, you're not going to do that. Or you're not going to go there. Or you're not going to hang out with that person. And I never understood, Scott, why she would say that. But then later on she told me, she said, the reason that I did those things is because I could see something that you weren't able to see. 
I could tell that that road that you were on was leading you in a wrong direction, and I did not want that for your life. So sometimes if we will just stop and consider what God thinks, or we would stop and consider that maybe God knows something that we don't know. Or maybe God, I don't understand why I'm just... I'm just out here in limbo when I know that you have a plan for my life. But God, I don't understand what's going on, so I'm going to walk my own path. If we would stop and consider that God knows something that we don't know. I know that's revelatory tonight. I know nobody, have ever, nobody has ever thought about that God didn't know something that, or that God knew something that we don't know. But I want to tell you tonight that God knows our end from our beginning. He knows the number of hairs that are on our head. He knows the Bible tells us when the sparrow falls. So if he knows all those things and he's concerned with those things, then maybe, just maybe, he knows a little bit about my life. Maybe he knows a little bit about the road that I'm traveling on or the path that I have chosen for myself. Our perception often causes us to doubt and to become confused. It is a tainted perception that causes some to abandon God's plan and His process. They give up and they throw in the towel and they walk away because the road gets too rough or the, the journey gets a little too hard. And, and they say things like, a God that really loved and cared for me wouldn't allow me to go through these things. They, but the, what they fail to recognize is the process and the plan that God has to take them through in order to prepare them for where He wants to take them to. Did you catch that? We realize, we, we fail to realize the plan and the process that He has to allow us to go through in order to take us to the place that He wants us to be. What would have happened if He would have taken the children of Israel straight from bondage to the promised land? Without the wondering, without the, 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 the 40 years of just walking around in circles, going through place after place after place, maybe even a hundred times they, they saw the same place again and again and again. What would have happened if he would have allowed them to go straight from bondage to the promised land? Well, I can tell you exactly what would have happened. The promised land would have been a lot like the land of bondage because he had to take them through a process to change their way of thinking. He had to take them through a process that would, that would, de, uh, to, would undo everything that had been done in their lives and in their minds in the land of bondage in order to get them to the place where they could inhabit the land of promise and have the, the, the right mentality to realize that this was a land given to me by God. This wasn't a place of bondage. This wasn't a place of adultery. But it was a place that God had intended them to be all along. But they had to go through a process. And so many times we don't, we, we don't want to 
We don't want to go through the process that God has designed us to go through. We don't want to go through the time of waiting. And we don't want to go through the time of wondering. And we don't want to go through the times where uh, it may seem dark or it may get lonely. But we want to go straight into what God has for us. But newsflash to all of us in this place. They didn't go into the promised land uh, straight out of bondage because they were not prepared to dwell in that land. We fail to recognize the process that God has to take us through. But it is in the wilderness, it is in that process that God is preparing us. It is in the wilderness where God wants to change your perception of His plan for your life. There may be times that you think that He has left you alone to die, and I think that we've all been there. But He said that I'll never leave and I'll never forsake you. But I will always be with you until the end of the world. We've got to know that if God's plan always works, we can never abandon that plan. Deliverance does not always result in immediate possession of promise. Some people cannot handle the fact that there must be First be a wilderness process before we could ever reach the promised land. Some think that by simply attending church, that, that all that, by simply making a church home, that will resolve all their problems and that God should reward them for simply making a right decision. But we must understand that there is a process. No one is exempt from it. No matter how bad that we don't want to go through it, every one of us has to go through it. No matter how painful it is, we have to go through it. No matter how lonely sometimes it is, it's a process that every one of us have to go through. Why do we have to do it? Because God is shaping us and God is molding us and God is preparing us and God's changing our way of thinking. And let me say God is changing our, perceptive, uh, our perception of what He wants to do in your life and in my life. We all have to go through it. You cannot live in the promise without first going through the process. The wilderness wasn't an easy life. wasn't the easy life that the children of Israel thought that it should be. It was after their deliverance that life became difficult. Their food supply ran out in the wilderness. Their water supply ran out. They begin, the elderly begin to die in the wilderness. They were wandering in this place in the desert. And if you know anything about the desert, in the daytime it's extremely hot, but at nighttime it gets extremely cold. Now think with me, if you would, take a few moments. Moms and dads carrying their babies in the sweltering heat of the day. Babies crying because they're so extremely hot. Babies fussing, kids crying out. Mom and dad had to carry them and shield them from the beating sun as they cried while experiencing the unbearable heat themselves. No fields to eat from. No streams to drink from. 
No shelter from the heat and no warmth from the cold at night. Nothing but sand and rock. Nothing but certain death. In their minds, life was about as bad as it could get. They begin to complain and to murmur to one another. They begin to find fault with Moses and with God. They begin to ask questions like, Why have you led us here to die in the wilderness? At one point, someone said, Hey, we would have had been better to stay in the land of Egypt because we had a place to lay our heads. We had houses to live in. We had food to eat. We had water to drink. We had everything that we needed in the land of Egypt. Now we have nothing. It would have been better for us in Egypt. Here is where the real danger lies with someone that has a mentality bond or bondage mentality like that that would say that it would have been better for us to stay in bondage than to be free and in the wilderness in the middle of God's process here is the danger sin can become so familiar to us that we don't know how or if we can even make it without it it can become so familiar to us that we don't know that if we could survive a day without it. It becomes so familiar to us and we become so comfortable that it's the only thing that we can think about. It's the only life that we can ever dream of. That is the danger of a bondage mentality that the children of Israel had. See, that's why they had to go through the process because God had to break that mentality. God had to remove that way of thinking from their life. And so what did it take? It took 40 years of wondering. And as I've already stated, the elderly, most adults that left the land of Egypt never made it to the promised land. They never lived to see the promised land. Why? Because God had to kill off that mentality. Because if they were to enter into that promised land, then that mentality that they had would have spread to the next generation. And then it would have spread to the next generation. And before you know it, the land of promise would have been just like the land of bondage. There were those that left that had the mentality of the idol worshipers. There were those that left that had the mentality of the Egyptians because after all, that's the only life that they ever knew. But God had to kill off that mentality in order for them to be able to inhabit the promised land. So the generations that followed could live in the promised land and live in the promises of God. They thought that it would have been better to stay in their sinful state rather to endure God's process. If the enemy could ever convince us of that mentality, then he has got complete power and control over us. If he can ever convince us that if I would just go back to my old life, or if I would just allow myself to get frustrated with God's process, if I would allow myself to become discouraged in the journey, if I, could ever, if I ever allow myself 
to think for one moment that my life would have been better if I had never started on this journey, then the enemy has got us right where He wants us. But our mentality has got to be, God, whatever process you have to take me through, God, I'm willing to go through it. God, You see things that I don't see. You know things that I don't know. And You know where You're wanting to take me even though I don't know where You're wanting to take me. But God, I can tell You one thing. I'm going to trust You. God, I'm going to follow You. I'm not going back to the man that I used to be. I'm not going back to my old life. I'm not throwing in the towel and I'm not giving up and I'm not taking a rest here in the wilderness but I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to keep searching for the place and the process that you have for my life well you say well that's that's pretty simple that's a pretty simple thought uh pastor Danny that's that's really not not anything deep well guess what it isn't anything deep it is as simple as trusting God's process for my life. It's as simple as saying, God, I'd so badly want to see the end result. But God, I understand that I have to go through a process. I understand that I have to go through a time of waiting. I know that there's going to be a time that I'm going to wonder, God, are you really here? Are you really leading me? But I know, God, that if I will just stay in the middle of your process, if I just allow you to lead me and direct me, You're going to lead me into the promises that you have for my life. Somebody say amen. we got to trust God's process. If the enemy could ever convince us otherwise, then he has got us. Egypt is a place of bondage, a sinful state. Sin is a prison from which no one can escape under his own power. Sin imposed a death sentence on every one of us. But God, in His grace and His mercy, when He gave His blood on the cross, when He shed His blood and gave His life, at that moment God pardoned us, pardoned us from the death sentence that sin had placed on our life. But we have to decide that no matter how bad the process appears to be, no matter how long I have to stay here, I'm not going back to my sinful life. And I'm not going back to the land of bondage. It is important for us to recognize and to understand that we have to go through the process if we are ever going to live in the promise that God has intended for us to live. It is in the process that God is preparing us for greatness. But we must understand that is just as simple as that. It's simply a process. Well, what do you mean by that? I'm saying it's a process. It's something that we're going to have to go through. We're not going to be there forever. It's not going to take an eternity, although sometimes it feels like it will. It's not going to be forever but it's a process that we're going to have to endure. God's God's testing us. God's proving us. God's looking to see if we are going to stay true to His process. Not a deep thought tonight, but God has convicted me so badly the last week or two with this message because there have been many times where I've gotten frustrated with His process. Many times that I've questioned Him. God, I don't understand. 
God, I don't understand why I have to go through this. God, I don't understand why you're taking me through this. God, this has nothing to do with the calling that I have on my life. God, why do I have to do this? But there's been times in that process that I had to stop and think, God's teaching me to serve. God's teaching me, and He's molding me. He's given me a love for the things of God. He's given me a love for His kingdom. He's given me a love for His world. Although at the moment that I thought, my goodness, this has nothing to do with what I want to do with my life and what I feel that God has for my life. But now that I've come through the process, I'm in another process, but when I came through that process, I realized that everything that took place has helped shape me into the person that I am today. What God has brought me through, what God has done in my life has helped shape the way that I'm raising my boys. It has shaped me into the assistant pastor role that I now am so blessed to be in in this assembly. But I didn't understand it then. But it took me going through the process. And I did say through the process because we will come out the other side. But it took me going through that to realize that God had His hand upon my life the whole time. And though I didn't understand it, and I'm ashamed to admit, sometimes I even got angry with God. I even got angry with the process and thought, this is ridiculous. Why do I have to do this? But now, standing where I'm standing, I can look back and I can say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done in my life. God, thank you for allowing me to go through that. There have been things that I have gone through in my life that I never understood until years later when I realized I could use that to minister to somebody else. Or I could use that to reach somebody else. But the whole, the whole time I was going through a process and God was shaping me and God was molding me into who He wanted me to be. I, I want to make a reference. Brother Luke St. Clair, many of you know him. Uh, in his message on Friday morning at the ALJC camp here in town, I was able, I had a little low on my schedule, and so I stopped in. I knew he was preaching. He's a, a friend of mine. I love him dearly. But I, as I stood, I sat there in that, in that sanctuary. I caught the, about the last 20 minutes of his message. And I have, by the way, just a little plug, I've got that message on CD, and I will share it with anybody that would like to. Uh, have it. Everyone needs to hear the message that he preached on Friday. But I caught up about the last 20 minutes that it was free, by the way. And uh, in his message, he made reference to the gentleman that I am not sure who he is, but he preached the day before. And he pastors, and he said, he made a reference that that man said that when he felt a calling of God on his life, he went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, I feel God's calling me to preach. He said, you do? He said, yeah, I really feel that God's dealing with me. God's given me a burden to preach. And he said, you really think so? He said, I know, Pastor, I know God's dealing with me. And the pastor looked at that man. He said, well, good. If that's what you really think, he said, I want you to take the next five years and pray about it. And after five years of prayer and seeking the face of God, then come talk to me and tell me if you still feel a calling. And I stood, I sat there in just utter disbelief, thinking, five years? He told him to wait 
and pray about it and think about it and seek God for five years. And then Brother St. Clair looked at the congregation and he said, he said, many would have given up. Many would have just walked away and said, I, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to spend five years that I could be doing ministry uh, for, the, for the kingdom of God. I'm not going to spend five years and, and seek God's face to tell a man that I have a calling when I already have a calling. And he said, but guess what? He spent five years and guess who was preaching camp meeting yesterday morning. And I, I, when he said that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, oh my my God, it was a process that he had to go through. And it was a man of God in his life that recognized his calling, but he also recognized that there was a process that he needed to go through in order to do what God was calling him to do. But many of us, as I sat there thinking, God, if I would have looked at my pastor and he would have said, give me five years, I don't know that I would have given him five years. I don't know that I could have just sat on a pew when I knew that God had a calling on my life and just say, I'll give five years to prayer and fasting. And many of us would have walked away just with our head hung down low and say, well, that's, that's an awful lot to ask, Pastor. That's a, God, that's an awful lot to ask when I could be doing something, but you're asking me, just to take five years. That would be wasting five years of my life. But listen, here's what I want to tell us tonight. And hear me real good. It is in the process that critical decisions are made. It's in the process where those decisions are made of whether I'm going to allow myself to stay there or am I going to throw in the towel and turn and walk Away. And let me say that very few, very few would stay in the process when faced with that sort of situation and say, God, I know that you have a plan in my life. I know you have a plan for my life. I know you have your anointing upon on my life. And I know that you are calling me. But God, I understand that there's a process that I have to go through. God, I am asking you to take me through it. No matter how long it may take, no matter if it seems like it, it's working out for my good or not. But so many few decide, Brother Borders, to take that road. Many will just throw in the towel and say, forget it. Forget it. I don't want to go through it. If you would have asked the children of Israel coming out of the land of bondage, if you would have looked at them and said, you're going to wander 40 years in the desert. It's God's plan. It's God's process for your life. And if they would have taken a vote, on whether they were going to allow themselves to go through the process or they, were going to, or they were going to stay in the land of bondage, guess what? I'm sure the majority of the people would have stayed in the land of bondage. Why? Because they didn't want to go through the process that they had to go through. And if we knew, without a shadow of a doubt, the process that God has intended for us, and we knew, Brother Scott, that it was going to be five years. Or we knew that it was going to take 10, 15, 20 years for us to, 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 to ever uh, possess the promise that God had for us. Many of us would say, no, thank you. I'll just check out here. I'll go on my merry way. But you've got to be dedicated to the process. 
you got to be sold out to the process. Because the process, going through the process is the only way that you're going to ever see the promises of God. And sometimes it takes a man of God to stand up in your life. I'm going to preach a message uh, soon about the armor bearers, what the armor bearers would do for the man of God. Brother uh, uh, Herring looked at me last time he was here. He said, you need to preach that message, and God was already dealing with me. I'd already spoken to several in that service that night, and he told me, he looked at me, he said, you need to preach a message on armor bearers to your church, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. But, but sometimes it takes a man of God to look at us and to say, I want you to go through this process. I want you, I know that you feel a calling on your life, and I know that you want to do something for God. But I, I know that evangelism is what you really want to do, but I'm going to ask you to start with cleaning the church. What does that have to do with anything with evangelism? It's teaching us. It's teaching us servitude. Number one, it's teaching us to serve because, listen, we will never be able to lead if we cannot first follow. We will never sit at the head of the table if we cannot first serve. I'm not patting myself on the back tonight. And I know pastor's my brother-in-law. And many of it looked at, look at it that way and say, well, I understand why you do some of the things you do because... That's your brother-in-law. No, that's not it at all. I do things that I want to do because I love the man of God that God has placed in my life. I have a respect for the man of God. I have a respect for the office of the ministry. I have a respect for, for anyone that God would place in my life. And so I've, I have dedicated my life and I have, I have uh, given my life to serving. Whatever I can do, Pastor. Sometimes still I call them on the phone and say, Pastor, is there anything that I can do? Is there anything that needs done? Do you need me to do anything for you? Anything I can do? Would you please let me? You get what I'm saying? It's a servant mentality. And I'm not pouting myself on the back tonight. But if we could just somehow get that mentality of God, uh, whatever it is that you want me to do. God, if you want me to pray about it for five years, I'll do that. God, if you want me to clean the church before I ever go out and teach a Bible study, or, or if, you ever, if you want me to serve uh, the, the congregation, my local congregation, before I ever go out of this place and preach at a youth rally or preach at a, a youth camp, God, whatever it is that you want me to do, God, I'm willing to do it because I understand that there's a process that I have to go through. When I, when, I, when I first uh, recognized my call to ministry, I, I had never, I'd never preached a message in my life. I'd never led a worship service. I'd never done anything like that. But I knew that God had a calling up on my life. And I'll be real honest with you, when someone would ask me to preach, I would do anything I could do to get out of it. Somebody asked me to lead a service, anything I could do to not do that. But there was a point in my life that I realized that if I'm ever going to obtain or if I'm ever going to live in the blessing and the promise that God had for my life, 
that I was going to have to go through a process. I was going to have to, and, it, and I knew that process was going to be trial and error. There are many times that I preached a message and I went home and I wanted to crawl under the bed, turn out the lights, nobody talk to me, don't look at me, because that was terrible. <laughs> or many times that in a, leading a service that I recognized a mistake or I didn't follow the leading of the Spirit like I knew that I should because I wasn't really comfortable with it. And I would go home feeling like a failure. And in those and in times that I, did, I didn't ever want to step up in a pulpit again, I didn't ever want to lead another service, I didn't ever want to do anything else. But I realized that God was taking me through a process. And I know that there were going to be good times, and there were going to be bad times, Sister Mary. I know there would be times that I felt that I did good and times that I felt like a complete, total, utter failure. I knew there would be times, but I understand and I recognize that it was a process that God had to take me through in order for me to live in the blessing and the promise that He had for my life. Anybody understand what I'm saying tonight? It's a process that we have to go through. Some would say it's not worth it. If I have to go through all of this, then you can forget it. I think I, I, think I, I like life better back in Egypt. But they, they, got to, they got to murmuring, they got to complaining, and they got to looking back to their old life instead of looking forward to what God had in store for them. Life was easier. I didn't have to worry about anything. I had plenty of food to eat. I had water. I had a nice house. I had a roof over my head. And, and we convince ourselves that life is better in Egypt. You see, the only instruction given for Lot and his family when they were to leave the land of Sodom, their only direction, the only thing that they were told is, don't look back. We all know the story. They left. And Lot's wife couldn't resist the temptation. She looked back. And the Bible says that she was turned into a pillar of salt. Her life was snuffed from her. All because she looked back to what used to be. Let me tell you something. You won't ever see anything good by looking back. That life is over. Don't dwell on it. Don't, don't, don't long for it. Don't wish for it. Because going back is not an option. I, I don't know what lies ahead, but that, that is where I'm going. Even though I can't see where I'm going, I'm going to go ahead. All I know is that, that it is a land of promise. And, and, and forsaking those things which are behind me, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God. I press. I haven't made it yet. I haven't made, I haven't arrived there yet, but I'm going to press and I'm going to walk. And I'm, it's going to be a journey. It's going to be a process. It's going to be long and sometimes the road's going to be hard. But I'm going to enter into the process that God has for me. Because if I'm ever going to live in promise, I know that I'm going to have to go through a process. I'm quickly closing. Notice with me, if you will, the wilderness was just as much a part of God's process as was the promised land. You cannot have the promise without first going through the process. Don't neglect the wilderness because the wilderness is where you learn to trust God. 
The process is where you learn to depend on Him. The process is where you learn to follow Him. It's where you learn God's voice. Although you can't see Him, you can hear His voice. And the process is where you learn to walk by faith and not by sight. The wilderness is a place of learning. Ooh, I, 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 I've got so much I want to cover tonight, and I'm not going to be able to cover it. But listen, it's a learning it's a learning curve. It's a learning process. It's like when you, when you start driving, you get a learner's permit. And a learner's permit is a restricted license that is given to someone who has not yet satisfied the requirements of holding a valid driver's license. This basically describes what the process is and how it pertains to our spiritual journey. It's a learner's permit because we have not yet satisfied the requirements that it takes to obtain the promise. God has given us the guidance and the teaching that is necessary in the process for us to obtain the promise that He has for us. Not a parent in this place would turn, or not a parent, let me say, worth, worth anything, anywhere, would ever dream of turning their, their children loose in life without first equipping them. Because there's a learning process. They have to be able to feed themselves. And they have to be able to bathe themselves. And they have to be able to dress themselves. They have to take care of themselves and provide for themselves. These aren't things that they are born knowing how to do. But it must be taught. And it, and, and it, and, and they, they, it must be taught and it's because it's a learning process. Shouldn't that be the way that it is in God's process? Shouldn't that be the way that we look at God's process in order to teach us to avoid the things that might harm us? Shouldn't we look at it that same way? Timothy writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Don't neglect the process. In the process, God is equipping you. There are things that are essential for this journey that can only be learned in the process. The third point that I want to make tonight, that there will always be a wilderness. Don't think for a moment that just because we have tasted the promise that our wilderness days are over. Deuteronomy chapter 8 isn't the only place that we find reference to the wilderness and the Word of God. In Luke chapter 4, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Just because we're full of the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that we won't ever find ourselves in the wilderness. The Holy Ghost experience does not exclude us from the wilderness experience. We all will find ourselves at some point or another wandering through the wilderness. I can be full of the Holy Ghost and still be led in the process in the wilderness. Hope I'm helping somebody tonight. I want to, I want to make four quick points uh, of what the wilderness does for us. Why, why, someone asked, why do we have to go through the process? Number one, it's to humble us. I've seen people who are full of the Holy Ghost 
fall as a result of pride in their life. And the Bible tells us that pride cometh before the fall. I've seen saints who allowed bitterness to take root in their life because something someone said or some way someone acted towards them. The wilderness or the process has a way of teaching us humility. Luke 4, and the, day, and the devil taking him up to a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me to whomever I will, I will give it. If thou wilt worship me, all this shall be yours. In verse 8, Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. Listen, a wrong spirit, bitterness, pride, a wrong spirit will allow us, will cause us to give into temptation, but a humble spirit will resist temptation. The second reason is to prove us. How are you going to handle the process? How are you going to handle the wilderness? Are you going to follow? Are you going to give up and turn back? What is in your heart will be revealed and proved in the process. If going back, if giving up is in your heart, that's going to be revealed in the process. If you're not really sold out to serving the Lord, guess what? That's going to be revealed in your process. What is ever in your heart will be revealed, will show itself in the process. Deuteronomy, again, 8, or text I refer to, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. The third point, to make us value the word of God. That he might know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. It is tough. It is tough, the process that we have to go through. But it's in that process that we learn to stand upon the Word of God. The only way we can survive is by the Word of God. Food doesn't grow, but God can supply. Food didn't grow in the wilderness, but God supplied manna. Water wasn't available, but God told Moses to smote the rock and water flowed. Everything that the children of Israel received and everything that they needed came through the Word of God. God spoke it into existence. And sometimes it takes the wilderness to remind us of that, that we cannot live without Him. And the fourth thing, and my final point, during the process we will live. Sometimes we think that we'll die in the wilderness. Sometimes we think that we're going to die in the middle of the process. But the Bible tells us, out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. The process may be hard. You may feel like giving up. And at some point, you probably will. 
You may have thoughts of turning back and you may have thoughts of the land of bondage and how much easier it was for you. You may wonder if you're going to die in the wilderness. You may feel at some time that you can't even make it, that you can't walk the line, that you can't live the life. But let me tell you, in those moments, just hold on to the Word of God. At that moment, anchor yourself in the Word of God. Whatever you've got to do, attach yourself to the Word of God because you will make it. It may seem like you won't, but listen, someday down the line when you've already come through that process, you'll look and you'll realize, hey, I made it. I made it. I, 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 could, I knew. I didn't think that I could make it through, but God took me through it and I made it. Why did I make it? Because I was grounded in the Word of God. The Bible tells us that the race is not to the swift, but is to the one who endures to the end. One day, you will come through. One day, the process will be over and you will find value in what you had to go through. And one day, we are going to hear him say, well done. Well done. Stand with me tonight. I hope I help somebody. I hope I realize, help somebody, help, I hope that I help somebody realize that, that we all have to go through the process, God's process. And guess what? My process may not be your process. You may have to go through something completely different than what I have to go through. But listen, when it's all said and done, we'll find ourselves in the same place because we'll be living in the blessings and the promise of the Lord. Would you raise your hands right now? God, we thank you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the process that you have designed for each and every life. Thank you, God, that you care enough about us to take us through, to teach us. Oh, God, to shape us and to mold us into what you have us to be. God, help us. Oh, God, help us to have strength in the process. Help us, oh, God, to be able to see that it's something that we have to go through. But, God, to know that if we trust in you, that you will bring us through. And you will bring us through to victory. God, I pray that you would touch every person that's here in this place God, I pray that your blessings would be upon them, be upon their homes and their families. God, go with us from this place knowing, God, that we're going to make it. With your help, we're going to make it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. God bless you. We'll see you in service on Sunday.